Hello and welcome to episode 143 of Ordinary to Extraordinary. I'm your host, Stephen Brown, I'm riding solo today, no guest hosts. And today I'm going to talk about the idea of linear results versus non-linear results. And a good way of thinking about that is just linear and residual. What are you doing to create perpetual results, i.e. you're not looking at one-time results for one-time action. You're looking at one action that creates residual income, residual benefits, residual effects coming to you. So that's today's episode. I've also got some new background music. You might be able to hear that. That's Ocean Colour Scene. It's a band I listened to growing up and I love it. It's a riverboat song. You want to check it out. So here we go. Episode 143. Welcome to another episode of Ordinary to Extraordinary. Another solo episode of Ordinary to Extraordinary. It's just me this week. I know I had a guest week, uh, guest host last week, Miss Emma Cameron. That was a fun episode. Um, obviously, we hashed out some differences that we had, came to some mutual understanding slash agreements, and this week it's just me. So, no guest host, and you guys get to listen to me. I think I've got a fun topic, something that I think about often, and a book I'm listening to just now actually jogged a thought that I've had on this for a long time. So today I'm going to talk about linear and non-linear in terms of results, life, relationships, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I'm not sure where I'm going to go with this. I've got some notes here. I've kind of planned this out. Obviously, with, with not having someone to talk to, this is just a collection of my thoughts and opinions. I'm always willing to hear what you guys have to say. As you listen to this, shoot me a social media message, a text message, an email. Let's talk. Let's see if you agree, disagree, or if we're somewhere in the middle and agree on some things. So I guess we should start with what linear and non-linear means. So by definition, Linear means essentially on a pathway, a predefined pathway, a line, a circle. Obviously, we're in linear orbit or non-linear orbit. Um, But essentially, if something is linear, it means it's on a line, it's on a pathway, a predetermined pathway. Um, A quick example of this is when I go to the gym, a linear machine or a linear weight is when I am using something that's on a predetermined plane of motion. However, if I then bust out a barbell or dumbbells, that's not a predefined uh, pathway. I'm going to use stabilizing muscles to push, pull, whatever I need to get, wherever I need to get it to. So hopefully that gives you an idea of the difference between linear and non-linear. Where I want to go with this is I'm kind of going to start off with a question. Is your life, your career, your relationships, different parts of your life, are those on a preset pathway? So are those linear or are they non-linear? So think about that as I'm talking. Hopefully I can do a good job of explaining my thought process here. So the way I look at a non-linear life is 
are you ready, again another question, are you ready to seize an opportunity even if it means uprooting what your normal is today? And I talk about this having had a, a quick chat with one of my brothers today who is often recruited to move to Canada for his, for his line of work. Um, great pay, maybe even do it, do it for a year. Um, and he can't convince his wife to do it. I don't know how hard he's tried. They've got two young kids. I understand the reluctance to uproot and move. But essentially, they're on a linear path. All right. If they were more willing, and when I say they, I mean collectively, obviously, if they're more willing to uproot them and the kids and maybe try something for a year, is it maybe a pathway to something bigger and better for them? Is it maybe a learning experience and they realize that maybe they are homebodies and they should stay there? So hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn. I don't think that particular brother listens. Perhaps some of the ones that do will mention that in our chat. Um, I want to give an example of this and it's kind of direct opposite of what I just talked about. Earlier in the year I went to Chicago, played in a golf tournament with a group of guys I used to work with in the Chicago area um, and it was a memorial golf outing for a gentleman named Chris Boardman who I used to work with in Chicago as well and Chris, Chris died early in the year. Um, tragically he went for a, a run which he he ran marathons and things. He went for a run, his usual route, and didn't come back and was found essentially with a, a massive heart attack, led to cardiac arrest, and he died. Um, but an example of a non-linear progression was him and his wife, when she got offered a promotion, they moved the kids to London. Now, he was English, so it wasn't a big deal for him to move to, to the UK but his wife and two kids, they went there with the attitude that new place, new surroundings, experience, let's expose the kids to different cultures for a year, and then we'll come back to the US and we'll end up where we end up. It was an amazing experience. They did it. It was good for them. It was good for the kids. Unfortunately, Chris isn't around anymore, but I promise that neither the kids or Jill, his, his wife, would change anything any of those experiences that they had for that year versus being on a linear path, staying what was familiar here in the US and not experiencing that and not exposing the kids to the things that they got to see and the things that they got to do. Being in England, being in London, they got to travel all over Europe and see things that most kids that, they were old enough to experience it and they'll remember it for the rest of their life. Most kids their age won't get that opportunity. So just a difference in thought there. And again, maybe just a different example of linear versus non-linear thought. Um, the reason I think about this often is my life is, my whole life has been on a non-linear path from about the age of 18. Um, I had a plan of sorts. I thought I was going to be a PE teacher. Uh, went to school. Sports science, physiology, that was kind of where I focused. The idea was, hey, I'm going to be a PE teacher. I'm going to teach kids for a long time. I'm probably not going to leave the UK. And then at 21, after I graduated, I had a realization that I wanted to go away. And some of this is due to the girl that I was dating at the time. Um, she had 
kind of dropped the bombshell that she was going to France for a year. And I don't know that it was a conscious thought, but I definitely had the thought that, um, the feeling more more than a thought that, well, maybe I should go away and experience something else. And And in my mind, she would go away, I would go away, we'd come back and everything would be cool and we'd be together. Obviously, that's not how things played out. I came here at 21 for three months. The three months turned into six months. I went home for a few months, came back for another nine months, went home for a few months, and then I've pretty much been here since. Well, I have been here since. So 18 years I've been here now. Not what was laid out for me, not how I, uh, not how I planned things. But in terms of the career progression, those were non-linear as well. So obviously I, I did the uh, the coaching thing and selling soccer camps, clinics and uniforms for better part of 10 years. And then obviously I, I'm in Spokane now. I didn't have Spokane even on the roadmap, didn't know where it was. Uh, came here, ran a soccer club for a few years, got out of that and went completely sideways looking for pharmaceutical sales jobs and found Heartland. And... I've always been willing to move. I've always been willing to uproot, which is the word I used earlier. I've always been interested in progression, but on my terms, at my speed, and not necessarily traditional career paths. So with Heartland right now, I'm I'm on a path that's kind of uh, set aside for a select few instead of just going from sales to middle management to upper management and then maybe go from there management isn't my thing and i've we've talked ad nauseum about the difference between management and leadership i do think i'm a leader i do think i can lead from any position i do think that the way i think about things are non-linear and the progressions that i've got and found are going to serve me well throughout life so that's on my life i do think my uh my relationships are non-linear and this kind of goes back to what I talked about last week with Emma. My rela- and, th- and this is a learned behavior. My relationships are non-linear because I don't have expectations of people. I have expectations of myself. I definitely have standards for people. And again, we talked about the differences last week. But I set standards, but by not having expectations of people, they can never disappoint me. But they can show me that they can be better than, than my expectations because I don't have any. So essentially, I set myself up for, for uh, success there. And I talked about my career. So the reason my career is non-linear is, and I want you to think about this, if you get paid a salary, even if there's a slight bonus, or if you get paid hourly, your career, your job, what you do on a daily basis, it's linear. By that, I mean it's one to one. You work an hour, you get paid for an hour. You work a month, you get paid for a month. You can prorate it, you can do what you want with it. But your input and your output are so intertwined that you know what you're going to earn all the time. In my career, it's not like that. I create residual income. My income is based on what I've done in the past and it pays me in perpetuity and it's constantly increasing. So every deal I sign, 
every merchant I bring on board, every customer I try and work with, I get paid when I'm sleeping. I get paid when I take days off. What they do makes me money. That's the kind of non-linear job, that's the kind of non-linear career I will always have. I'll never work for the man again. I don't want to work for the man. I'm tired of working for the man. I've done it. I've had tons of menial jobs. I've worked in sales positions that are very, very low commission but decent salary. It just doesn't cut it for me. I need the kick in the butt every day to know I'm going to eat what I kill. So, um, I mentioned that the thought for this came from a book that I'm listening to and I want to give that shout out to Greg McKeown. I talk about his book often, the first one, which is, uh, hold on, the one I'm listening to just now is Effortless. His first book was Essentialism. I guess he likes stuff that begins with an E. Um, So Essentialism is about saying no to things. It's about learning what you should have in your life, what you shouldn't. Sitting down at your desk on a Monday, looking at your calendar and going, that doesn't need to be there, that doesn't need to be here. I don't need to go to that meeting, that can be an email. Just send me an email recapping it, whatever it is. Do I need to be on this call or can I be productive doing something else? Do I need to be at the gym for two hours when I can knock it out in 45 minutes if I cut out this, this and this? Okay, so that was his first book, Essentialism, which I absolutely loved. His latest book, which is Effortless, is... Actually, I think um, better than essentialism. Um, I'm going to pull up the description of this one. So it says, effortless, make it easier to do what matters. And if you want to check him out on, the, on any of the social medias, he's got all these great little uh, animations and, and drawings of, that are in the book. And it's magnificent. I just love some of the messaging from it. But he's great on social media. He's been on a bunch of different podcasts around. If you listen to podcasts, you'll find him. So Greg McKeown, it's M-C-K-E-O-W-N. But that was the, the sort of uh, the jog to my memory for, for talking about linear. Because he talks about linear and residual results. So... The way he says it is, do your inputs create a one-time output? And I mentioned that, is it one-to-one? So, do you work one hour, do you get paid for an hour? Do you go to work one time and every day it's an effort? Or are you getting paid when you're not working? All right? So, that's how I define it within career paths. Um, So one hour equals X amount of dollars. Whether you work really hard for that hour or whether you do no work for that hour, you're going to get paid for it. Now that might have negative residual effects in that you get fired if you don't work real hard, but that's it broken down. In education, and this is, uh, I know some people listen to this that are in education, I have a lot of access to grind with higher education. And I don't want that to be misinterpreted. I am a huge proponent of education, of knowledge, and acquiring knowledge. What I'm not a huge proponent of is paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. I think the system's busted. I do not like that 
I, as a taxpayer, underwrite hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of loans to 18-year-olds that if they default, the government covers with their tax dollars. 100% against that. I'm also 100% against tenure for professors and such. I'm 100% against the politicization of our college campuses. And if you look at inflation versus what people could go to college for in the 70s and 80s versus what they can go to college for now, it's lunacy. Being able to get a degree in hyper, hyper specialized subjects where there's maybe 10 jobs in the entire country that you can apply that to, I'm certainly not in agreement with, with underwriting loans for that. I digress though. And where I'm going with this is in education, essentially people are taught to study to pass a test. That's a linear way of learning, i.e. Here are the five formulaic ways that you can get a question asked. Here are the past exams. You're going to look at that. You're going to learn how to answer this formula of question. And then you're going to get a question that changes John's name to Bobby. You're going to get this changed and that changed. But you're going to know how to answer the question in general. That's a linear way to learn. I want to gain knowledge. I want to be well-rounded. Okay? I want to be able to learn more than just how to pass a test. I want to learn principles. So if you learn a principle, you can apply that for your lifetime. And by that, I mean, teach me how to do this, but out with the confines of this formulaic test. All right. Again, a lot of people might disagree with me. I just have major, major access to grind with higher education in general. And I don't think we're creating well-rounded, functioning members of society. We're teaching people that are coming out with an expectation to earn a lot of money right off the bat and want to skip the first five rungs on the corporate ladder. That's not what college is about. College is more about life experience. It's about gaining invaluable experiences that you can't replicate in another way. So I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Like I said, to me, I want education to be non-linear as opposed to this linear progression where, hey, if you do this, we'll move you on to year two and then you'll get your diploma, but you don't actually know what to do when you get into the real world. Might be speaking high level about this. I'd love to have a more in-depth conversation about this. If you're in education and want to talk to me about it and we can record it, reach out. Looking for guest hosts. All right. want to go back to the career thing. Um, only making money when I'm actually working is such a repugnant thought to me. Now, it's 100% okay if that's what you want. Okay? If you're doing it, if you're happy... If you've made these linear progressions in life and throughout your career and throughout education and throughout relationships, having that predefined path, some people need that. I like the uncertainty and I like knowing that I'm going to work my tail off, gain those rewards. And, and my overall concept on life is I don't want to work till I'm 65 or 70 and then have a short amount of time 
to try and enjoy quote-unquote retirement. I want to accumulate now and be retired by the time I'm 50. I just turned 40. I'm on track to do that. That gives me a longer time to enjoy life. To me, that's a non-linear approach. That's kind of what I've been trying to say for the last 10, 15 minutes. But hopefully it's uh, that hit home a little differently. So, yeah, only making money when I'm working, when I'm physically in a location or doing a thing, it's just repugnant to me. Much rather set up processes, set up income and revenue streams that are making me money when I'm sleeping, when I'm taking time off, when I'm at the gym, on weekends. So today I played soccer. When I'm running around the soccer field, a bunch of my clients, they're swiping credit cards, I'm making money off of that. I love residual income and non-linear approach to income. The reason that I just don't like limited results. I don't like knowing that I only, only, only get a result when that's what I'm focused on. Again, it's fine if you're like that, if you're wired differently. This isn't a criticism. This is just me letting you know how I feel. Another way that I look at non-linear results, and we're all aware of this, we all experience this every single day right now, every single platform that we work with, everything that we use right now is being turned from a one-time purchase or a linear approach to a subscription model. All right, I'd use Netflix as the example. It used to be you would rent a DVD, take it home. Let's say it cost you $5 to rent the DVD. You took the DVD home. The only way there was a residual part there is if you didn't return it on time. They added a charge, they added a charge, but there was a cap on that. So they had to carry inventory, they had to pay for brick and mortar stores, and we're talking about Blockbuster versus Netflix here, obviously. Netflix came and they did it where there was no late fees. They just sent you a DVD. You sent it back when you were done. But you paid a subscription for them to send you the DVD. You paid a monthly subscription. As many DVDs as you could get and send back, you could do. Obviously, it's morphed to where it's built into the TV now. We don't even have DVDs. I don't have a DVD player anymore. If I do, it's in the garage. It's not been plugged in. So what Netflix did is they took a linear approach to selling movies or renting movies and said, how can we make money on this? There's hundreds of millions of people subscribed to it. I bet there's tens of millions that don't even watch anything on it. They still pay the, the monthly residual income to them every month. All right. Apple have done it. You may have noticed you don't buy a phone outright anymore. Most people don't. They cost $1,000, the new iPhone. What they do is they say, hey, you give us $300 up front, we're going to charge you 50 60 70 whatever it is, dollars a month, until it's paid off. But if we release a new phone before you've got it paid off, you can give us another $300 and just continue those payments. So they've gone to a subscription model. That's non-linear business. Apps. Think of how many applications you have on your phone that you pay a monthly subscription for. 
I have multiple. One of them's Romwad, range of motion, workout of the day. I pay for it monthly. Sometimes it's games. They give you the game for free, but there's an app purchases. So to play the game a certain beyond a certain amount of time, you have to pay. Alright? Xbox, PlayStation. Now they've got these subscription models. You don't buy the console and then buy the CD to put in the games. No. You pay for the games, you download the games, and there's a live subscription to keep playing the games. Or to store the games, I guess, is what you're really paying for. So everybody's looking at this non-linear way of making money now from a business standpoint, but it can be applied in life, it can be applied personally, and that's what I've done, it's what a lot of people have done very successfully, to where, how can I make money, how can I make results come to me when I'm not engaged, when I'm not actively working at it. So, gone are the days where you buy a product and it lasts for years and years and years. Things are made to have a shelf life now. And often we don't own them. We're renting them or leasing them or paying a subscription for them. Just the way life is just now. So, um, way to think about... Linear versus non-linear is, is really the, the principle of compound interest. If you think Benjamin Franklin once said, money makes money, and the money that money makes, makes money. So he said that in relation to compound interest. That's how I look at a non-linear pathway, a non-linear way of thinking, especially when it comes to income. I want my money to make money, I want my actions to create positive pathways back to me, positive results, positive residual effects. So um, I'll get finished here in a minute. Um, I'm about 25 minutes in, I think. But another way that I look at this, another way that I apply this, and if, if you're listening to this, you probably know that I'm coaching high school soccer again. I'm really enjoying it. And I got the best compliment I can possibly get just a few days ago. One of the girls thanked me and said, thank you for taking the time to explain this so simply. Now I understand it and I get what other coaches have been trying to say to me and talk to me about for years. I take that as a huge compliment and I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. What I'm doing is talking about this residual effect or this non-linear return when I coach I always ask myself can I make this simple enough that this player can teach it to another player or potentially down the line can they coach this to players when they're a coach how can I take a concept a style of play a formation something like that how can I make this so simple that they can explain it on? And again, this might be Ben Franklin. I'm going to use a quote. I don't know if it is Ben Franklin. But if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And as I said, it, it's not Ben Franklin. I believe it's Isaac Einstein. Or not Isaac Einstein. Albert Einstein that said that. But when you do something today, tomorrow, down the line, when you're explaining something, when you're teaching someone, when you're coaching someone, whether it's a colleague, whether it's a classmate, whether it's just a friend, 
ask yourself, am I creating a residual non-linear legacy here or am I creating a one-time piece of information that they're going to be able to use in the moment but not teach someone else, not pass on to someone else. So like I said, that was just a, a little tidbit. Obviously, it's, it's a nice feather in the cap to have someone thank you that you taught something to them that they've not been able to understand. But if you take that approach, that can I make this so simple that they can then teach someone else, then it becomes easy. And if you can't, you don't understand it well enough, in my opinion. And obviously, you've got some work to do. Or, or you've got to work on how can I simplify the knowledge I have to pass on. So there we go. I think I'm going to end this one here. Probably going to have a guest host on next week. Not quite sure who it's going to be yet. I've got a few irons in the fire there. I appreciate every time someone likes, reviews or shares the podcast. I appreciate all the feedback I get from it. Um, and I'm going to finish up there and just say until the next time. Be good to yourselves and to each other.